This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A number of fixtures from around Europe and beyond take center stage this weekend, but with news outside of the pitch also taking center stage as Chelsea deal with the sanctions given against Roman Abramovich. Elsewhere, Man United host a confident Spurs. Is that even a phrase? Jesse Marsh and Leeds United continue to fight in the Premier League. We dive deep around Europe and the race for the title and Champions League spots. And what's next for PSG, MLS and Liga MX fixtures and much more. Jimmy Conrad is here. Heath Pierce is here. James Bench, of course, is here to go through all of it. Kigo Lasso Weekend Preview begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kigo Lasso, our weekend preview. Uh, thank you so much for being part of the family. Kigo Lasso pod on Twitter, wherever you listen to your pods. And, of course, YouTube.com forward slash Kigo Lasso. I feel... By the time the weekend comes, we have made it to 10,000 subs. So ahead of time, thank you so much. James Bench, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm knackered. <laughs> I went to you first, James Bench, because we've already been diving deep on the yeah. Abramovich situation. Like, so I wanted to see how much energy you brought into it. And like you brought exactly what I thought. Yeah, it's like the sixth time in 24 hours I've had to readjust my like camera setup and my microphones and all that. And and then, yeah, it's... Jimmy it's Conrad, how about you board. help him out here? I feel so bad for him. He's been so... You know what? He's been I'll working you, hard. I'll lift you up, James Benjamin. What I'm going to say do. is PSG's in the mud and you love to see it. Money can't buy you trophies, everybody, unless you're my Newcastle. Then I want you to buy all the trophies that you want. I'm a walking contradiction. That's how I'm feeling today, Luis. <laughs> <laughs> more money, more problems, Jimmy Conrad. Absolutely. Hey, Heath Pierce, what's up, man? Oh, uh, you know, just uh, predicted that uh, Real Madrid win. Uh, I tried desperately That's to true. get the link from our producer, Des, to let me just jump in anywhere on the show that you guys did yesterday. He wouldn't give it to me, so I was offering him extreme amounts of money just to be able to jump in for one minute, you know, kind of just say my piece and then exit. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. There's a, the, After all the chaos and the continued chaos around the world, there's a little bit right in the world knowing that um, PSG can't buy – the championship that they do so desperately want um, without having to earn it. It's a little bit of a sad day when we're rooting for Florentino Perez, I think. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. that'll be... Uh... Go on, Super League! Go <laughs> <laughs> Super League! Yeah. Absolutely. But hey, Kareem the Dream Benzema. Uh, I love it. All right, well, welcome everybody. Que golazo. Weekend preview. We begin, as we always do, in the Premier League. And Chelsea uh, hosts Newcastle United. Take this. We are taping this before their game against Norwich. They're away at Norwich, of course, so take that into consideration. And by the way, we mentioned Roman Abramovich, uh, James Bench, and yours truly had an emergency pod uh, about this situation. We dive deep into everything, so go there for that. So that's why I'm not jumping to James Bench for this. I think James Bench will thank me, actually. But, uh, Jimmy, I wanted your thoughts on it. Uh, Abramovich sanctioned. Uh, Chelsea, obviously, 
uh, in disarray as uh, the sale is frozen. Only season ticket holders can attend. Uh, no further future tickets can be sold and much, much more. Your thoughts? Well, it's interesting. <laughs> it's one way to handle the situation. Now, getting back to our theme, I think, of today of money buying trophies. Under Abramovich, they won 19 trophies in 19 years. So I guess there are some examples out there that you can uh, buy love and buy trophies. I, I'm not surprised by some type of reaction to to the news, to who his relationship with Putin and that there was going to be some types of sanctions. They had to do something. And uh, I don't know where we feel like it falls in the scale of harsh to not harsh enough or whatever it is, but something had to happen. And now I'm actually more curious about what happens to Tuchel and the players and how they respond. I, they looked very good against Burnley. Reese James uh, brings a ton of balance to that team. Now he's out again. So now you're going to maybe ask Piliqueta will go over there and he's been filling in admirably in his spot, but he's not the same as Reese James who clearly has a huge impact on that team and how they, how, how balanced they are and how they uh, attack and defend from that position. It's going to be interesting, but they're going up against my Newcastle who are trying to take notes from Abramovich about how to buy trophies. So this is a really interesting uh, affair. But yeah, overall, in terms of the sanctions, I don't, I got to digest it uh, a little bit more to know or actually maybe see a game first to see how that plays out, especially at Stanford Bridge. I think the response uh, has been good, but now those sanctions continue to grow. Obviously, this is sort of uh, par and course with the idea that the sanctions are going to continue to grow and grow and grow uh, until something has happened with what's going on in Ukraine right now. And so we've seen those escalate, escalate, escalate. And to now be in this situation, it's obviously going to have a continued effect on the club itself. It's going to have a continued effect more on people like Thomas Tuchel, who have to face the, the media on these types of things that have to speak up and openly about the job that he still has. And it starts to become a little bit dirtier and dirtier every time that you're representing uh, something that has a little bit of this sort of muddied water uh, connected to it. But the players have shown a response. I mean, uh, there's not a whole lot more that the, the, the players can do than the performance that they have now. And that Burnley side, by the way, they showed a little bit of, of, of signs of life recently. Uh, so the, so, uh, the convincing win against Burnley, I think, is is, is a statement win, and uh, yeah, it's it's an unfortunate one for all the for the Chelsea players, the ones on the field. But you know, their performances are going to show how much this really shakes the locker room. I mean, you know, something strange is going on at Chelsea because we've spoken about them for the best part of three or four minutes with two former U.S. internationals, and I've heard neither the words Christian nor Pulisic. <laughs> <laughs> What a strange state of affairs we have going on here. I mean, well, you, and you do almost completely forget about all these stories that seem to matter so much to us a few days, a few weeks ago. Um, like, you know, Pulisic really rounding into some level of form. Um, I think he's been fantastic. And, you know, in trying circumstances, on and off the pitch, I've been really intrigued by the job that, that Thomas Tuchel has done. Kind of without anyone really noticing, just totally changing what this Chelsea attack's about. A few weeks ago, it was Lukaku, it was Ziyech, it was really reliant on those. Now Mason Mount is back and looking for a bit of form. Kai Havertz is just everything we thought he'd be, the target man slash false nine, goal scorer, playmaker. And actually, we're seeing Pulisic slot really nicely into that particular front three as the the finisher, the the runner, the, the, the guy that maybe isn't the most high volume touch, almost kind of working as like something like a traditional striker, the guy that you want on the end of these chances. Um, I'm fascinated to see how he gets on. But obviously, as you say, you know, being at Stamford Bridge on Sunday is going to be so strange because 
we just don't know how many more normal games like this there'll be. I mean, you know, we mentioned on the emergency pod about away contingents and that Brentford, uh, and, you know, since then I've been told that Wolves don't even have a contract in place. So as things stand, I don't think they'd be able to have any away fans there. The other case is uh, whoever uh, Chelsea draw in the Champions League quarterfinal, those uh, quarterfinal games are not part of the Chelsea fans' season ticket. So again, in theory, Chelsea could be playing their Champions League quarterfinal behind closed doors. This is so strange. And, um, you know, you keep kind of wanting to talk about the football, but but these things keep dragging you away from it. Um, but it should be a really fascinating game. And particularly odd that it's, I think it's against Newcastle, uh, this this major moment in the Abramovich era. Yeah, no, absolutely. And also just a reminder that uh, aside from the fact that uh, Chelsea still has to play Norwich, as we taped this, Newcastle has to play Southampton. So, Jimmy, with that, I mean, you know, to um to, to that point do you have any betting tips well this l- let me just say from a newcastle perspective uh eddie howe has not lost in 2022 baby let's go we're seven points clear of relegation heading into the southampton game that's happening today only five points away from 10th place crystal palace so despite all the doom and gloom for most of the season we're on the up and up baby let's go so so given what's happening and i feel like there's going to be an emotional response to what's happening from the players. I know they have this game against Norwich, but it's away from home. I think, and it's all new. I think it's still a bit of a shock. I don't know how much that will impact an away game, but being at home at Stanford Bridge, having these sanctions, having the club shop closed, you know, little things like that where fans, maybe I can't go in there and buy an Angola Conte jersey, which sounds like a really sad state of affairs. That should always be, uh, hey, that guy's amazing. But but Newcastle, uh, Bruno Guimarães should start against Southampton. They've got obviously a couple of games in, in a short period of time. Curious to see how he plays against Southampton and will that allow him to slot in against Chelsea? Obviously a terrific player. Just need to see him get a start. I kind of got a draw here, to be honest, because I think that there could be some emotional impact. And and uh, and also I think that Newcastle are just got a vibe about him right now. So if you if you go to the draw, sorry, I'm just scrolling down for it right now. The draw plus four ten. Plus four ten, which I think is tremendous, tremendous value. Yeah. Something I will say very quickly though. Watch how Chelsea perform against Norwich. I know Norwich is maybe not uh, the best of teams to to go up against. But without Reese James, we'll see if Pulisic continues to get the start. See look at little different things. He's going to rotate the squad as well. So take a look at the lineups. See how Newcastle plays against Southampton. But plus 410 for the draw, I think, is tremendous value. Yeah, the, I mean, here's my take on this. These players live every single day under tremendous amounts a tremendous, uh, I like tremendous, I tremendous, <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> tre- so yeah, it's uh, tremendous and immense together. They live under a tremendous amount of pressure <laughs> and, and it's constant, right? The, the, the British media is very difficult and very harsh on them as players. And while it's a horrible distraction that they're going through, a distraction sometimes is welcomed, whether it's internal or external, that just sort of takes the edge off, right? Like, like Benj mentioned, we're not talking about Lukaku constantly. We're not talking about the same story all the way last year, going back to Lampard, going to Tuchel. Who's their best 11? Is it Werner? Is it Havertz? Is it Ziyech? Who's, where should Christian Pulisic play? Where's Mason Mount in the, in the conversation of all this? And it allows them to just sort of take a breath, uh, a deep breath in the locker room. I've been in situations where it's, it's, it's hard and it's controversial, whether it's external or internal facing. That controversies happen. It allows you to just sort of almost hide a little bit or come out from hiding uh, when the pressure is high at a club the size that size. They don't get days off. They don't get breaks. They don't get to have a poor run of form. We're seeing that with Manchester United right now. 
It is just week after week. I mean, you see it with all the clubs, right? Spurs, a constant state of 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 uh, of havoc. Uh, you know, um, Manchester United, all of them. So I think this is a, a welcomed response. And if you go back to literally a month and a half ago or two months ago to their win against uh, Spurs, uh, Chelsea haven't lost. They've been and they've actually won every single game. Uh, outside of the losing in the EFL Cup final, uh, like nineteen to eighteen in penalties, and so it, you know, overall, I think that they've got, they've taken, they've taken see, these punches to the face, they've taken these punches to the gut, they continue to run it in stride, and I think they'll continue to do so. So I'm going to go with a win uh, for Chelsea in this one, and I think they're going to continue their form, knowing that they've got a little bit of house money to play with right now, which sounds really messed up, but but in a way, I think it's a motivator for them. Put some respect on Chris Wood's name, okay? Like that guy <laughs> knows how to do stuff in the Premier League. I don't know about scoring goals per se, but he's a presence up top, okay? And Joe Linton in midfield, a revelation. It's a draw. Right. Plus 410, everybody. Stamp. Benj, what's your prediction, Benj? Um, I really hate to say this because Jimmy's going to perk up. <laughs> yeah, I'm already perked I up, you, Benj. Let's go. You think Newcastle can get something here? Like a win? I think they're going to win. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Go you got to look at the form table. As Jimmy says, you know, this is a team getting, now admittedly, against not very good opponents, but it's getting Whatever. Champions League level results. Yeah. And I, I guys, I know, predicted the Real Madrid win. I'm literally the smartest person I know. <laughs> I, I'm the I smartest do, man alive. I am literally the smartest person that I know right now in the last couple of hours. All right. You know? So, Heath, you're going with a Chelsea win. Uh, yeah. Jimmy, you're staying with the draw. Benj is going with the win here. Um, yeah. I, I appreciate that. I'm like, wow, me and Benjamin are best friends now, but I'm going <laughs> to keep were. it based in reality and, 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 and be, I hope for the win. I hope I'm wrong that it's not a draw, but I feel in a draw here. Yeah. Well, Chelsea have won eight of their last 10 Premier League games against Newcastle, including the last three in a row. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but yes, I know stats are there to be changed. I know. I know. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, it's in, and the thing is, it's difficult because both of these teams are playing before we tape, even before that game as well. So take that with what you will, uh, by the way. So <laughs> Des Norris is already uh, giving awards here. Uh, a, a week in the life of Hollywood Heath, best dresser, most handsome on Tuesday. The smartest guy in the world on Thursday. What's Sunday recap going to bring? Yeah, Pierce? you know this is where uh, humi- this is where life brings you right back down again. You know, similar to what <laughs> what goes up must come down. Uh, you know, so yeah. Unfortunately, I don't That's know what true. Sunday will bring. Let's hey, listen, Chelsea, be- Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. <laughs> before we move on, uh, before we move on, I do want to ask this. Uh, uh, Jamie Carragher wrote a, an article for the Telegraph about you know Manchester United. You know, should jump at Thomas Tuchel right now. Uh, because, you know, there is, I, I wonder what's in his head. I would love your opinions on, on, on this, uh, you know, going around. Jimmy, what do you think? Well, I think it'd be better than Pochettino. I, I don't think that Pochettino is going to solve Manchester United's problems. I really don't. And he doesn't have the players to play the way that he likes to play. He's a Bielsa uh, disciple. There's a certain type of pressuring, and they just don't have the horses to, to play that high press system. We already see it under Rangnick, who's starting to fall back into Ole Gunnar, Solskjaer type tactics. But yeah, Tuchel would provide something. And, and I think that he, with this experience of being in the Premier League and understanding the opponents and how, you know, just the, the ebbs and flows of how this league uh, works and, and how to have success in it, even though he hasn't proven to, to do that. He backed into the top four last season, if we all remember. And he's not, he's not, he's not pushing Liverpool or City that much this season. I, I I don't I don't mind the idea, especially with this whole Chelsea 
issue if they can go well that's where i was going jimmy yeah, I yeah, guess I, the, I, the other the other part of it was like would tuchel even be persuaded do you think yeah because you saw the frustration a few weeks ago right um i, I just don't know like what, what what what's going on in his head right now i know i know that I mean, it's a I'm trying to get a clickbait kind of situation here, but th- but there is something to be said about, you know, you said Heath, obviously players like a distraction, but I just can't stop thinking about the fact that this is the last thing that Thomas Tuchel wants to uh, oh, think yeah. about, I guess. You don't, you don't want to deal with the distraction all the time. It's just a, a, a welcome sort of, uh, not welcome because of the circumstances around it, but it's, it is one that changes the dynamic of a locker room. But yeah, uh, that, that type of move could be, could be one. It'd be a highly controversial one in the midst of all that, it would also allow them to say the best way to get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo, who is fantastic, by the way, not saying that, but he changes the dynamic of the team is to let him get two touches a game under Tuchel's system where you get one on the kickoff. That's one, one more than Lukaku. One, yeah. One to close out the half. And that's the fastest way to see a player uh, out of your club. But again, so many pieces have to change. Like if you're Thomas Tuchel, you're looking at that going, man, that is, a, that is a very like, this is messed up over there, but that team, that's not a team. I've got to go in there, and maybe it's a good challenge, but yeah, uh, it would be hard just, to convince. Wait, just really quick. This is a Liverpool player saying what Manchester United should do. I just want to make sure I'm clear. He's Yeah, go he, ahead. Ben. You know Jamie Carragher, <laughs> our colleague Jamie Carragher. I get it. I get it. I'm just trying he to likes, make sure there's some context here. That, he likes um, to troll. He likes to troll. Lifetime Liverpool players <laughs> suggest what Manchester United should be doing. I know. But I, I do think this is going to get pretty intolerable for for Thomas Tuchel the current situation you know if you're a Bundesliga manager Liga Serie A it's par for the course that your sporting director comes out once a week if not more to address you know the the goings-on that are not relevant for a coach be it transfer policy be it sanctions that are placed on your owner because of his role in the uh, war in Ukraine and his role in in supporting Vladimir Putin and Thomas Tuchel he, he, I think almost his challenge as well is the first time he addressed this, he spoke so eloquently that it it becomes a a thing that everyone has to ask. You know, if I'm in the press conference in on Sunday and if I get a question in, it will be about it won't be about whatever happens between um, Newcastle and Chelsea. It will be about the ownership because that's the big story, and it's a really thankless position for Tuchel to be in and I think if this keeps going on it's actually a a position he will not want to be in um he loves managing Chelsea loves it but no one would want this and I I do think suddenly if Man United were to try and tempt him I just don't think it's impossible but as as Jimmy says ex-Chelsea ex-Liverpool player creating a bit of nuisance so so yeah really quick FIFA just came out and are allowing foreign players and coaches to temporarily leave Russian and Ukrainian clubs and yep, sign for a new teams. So, yep. so does does Chelsea fall into that? Does do no. because of all this uncertainty? No. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there as as yeah. Now they are sanctioned. I mean, they can't. They they literally are frozen right now. They can't. Right, 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 right. They, they can't. So you know that's a situation that can probably well, let's say at the end of the season. At the end of the season, if they well, haven't... it's going to be reviewed on May 31st. So, you know, after I May 31st. I assume they're going to have a buyer, though. So Exactly. Possible. So many parts, as James Bench uh, and I discussed in the emergency report, many parts uh, just continue to change and move, et cetera, et cetera. So to your point, uh, the business situation is frozen. And that includes the sale, unless the UK government takes over. So, you know, there's a lot going on here. All right, let's move on. Uh, and another pitch, by the way, go to the emergency pod. Uh, we talk all about this. All right, let's talk Manchester United 
Tottenham, by the way. Tottenham feeling good against Everton, obviously. And now Man United, who really need to get going if they want to get a Champions League spot. Heath Pierce, let's begin with you. United, Tottenham. What do you see here? This is a good game. And I never, I, 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 I don't know. That's I don't know. Dad, dad thing to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I, I, I thought Man City, uh, Man United was a good game. Turns out it wasn't a good game. Uh, <laughs> this one, when I, it was when for I, started, City, I guess. Yeah, it was for City. But when I, when I see sort of the way it's, it's, it's sort of come together, uh, you have this, this Spurs side that are in fantastic form right now and really making a push and, and a statement where they, they pushed Everton to, to not a single shot. Uh, during during their match, you have Harry Kane that's back in fantastic form right now. Son who's back in fantastic form right now. Kulusevski who's changed the dynamic of their their attack and the way that we saw Deli Ali a couple years back. And so I look at this Spurs side and I go, man, this is a team a little bit on a mission right now. And they're going through their own controversies where if they were to lose this one, then then the talk kind of continues. Conte's got a fantastic record against Manchester United as well. Um, and so and and then on the flip side, you have Manchester United playing for pride. Like there's literally something there. And sometimes I, I, I think about myself in these situations was never in that situation with those clubs, but I think about sort of the, the playing for pride. And that's, that's a fragile thing. Cause sometimes you're just a bad team and the team just continues to get better. And you go this game, this match. Uh, and it doesn't really have the legs to, 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 to stand on, but this is one where Manchester United, they could have uh, Ronaldo back in the team. They, they, they could have Cavani back. They could have, uh, you know, Pogba will be, is still on the side. They've got a number of these players with experience that are going to have something to say about that last performance. They've got the whole world, especially Man United legends and everyone being highly critical of this team of giving up in the second half, that there has to be some sort of response. And so I'm sort of, you know, uh, sitting on the fence in terms of who's going to win this one. I could see this one playing out as a draw just because I think it's, beneficial for both teams but if I had to go on on form alone or on a team that I think has the weapons you're gonna uh, say it to win I'm gonna say Spurs yeah I knew you were gonna say that bench see I'm gonna kind of disagree with Heath in that I think a draw is actually a bit of a problem for both of these teams I know for Man United it's hopes are fading fast but they will still think of themselves as in this top four race Spurs mm. as well but if you you know if you look at it Arsenal will come up, maybe, maybe come on to talk about Arsenal, but they're playing Leicester. It's certainly not a given, but I think Arsenal are going to go into that game confident of getting three points. If you're letting them slip in your slip further away at this time of the season, you might not get another chance to catch them. So I'm intrigued if it's one all in the 80th minute. Do, do these teams just kind of have to start swinging for the for the fences? I mean, just looking at the table now, a point and United are, are level with Arsenal, but they played four games more. Um, a point for Spurs and they're two points off Arsenal, having played two games more. So we're kind of at the stage where you've you've got to win. I don't. I mean, I don't think Arsenal are going to, you know, keep up this form, which is some of the best in Europe in terms of points in the last ten games, but. Huge pressure. I'm with Heath, though, that Spurs look like things are going right equally. You know, I mean, huge praise to Antonio Conte, but when you're turning Matt Doherty into a, a world-class wing-back, I'm not sure it's going to last. So <laughs> I don't really know where this game's going. You got, he's got to ride the wave. He's got he's on a player out, development you know? plan. It's a player, it's an individual <laughs> development plan, and it's working. What's interesting about this particular matchup is the last time these two teams play were both at Spurs Stadium and they lost. Man United won 3-0 back at mm -hmm. Halloween, October 30th. And then last season, they won 3-1. But the last time they played, 
at Old Trafford. It was 6-1, that famous 6-1 game. I think Mourinho was giving a big middle finger to everybody at that point because he was still in charge. I don't know if Old Trafford has that same type of fortress in, in, in intimidation factor that it once had. And I really like how Kulisevsky's fallen into a rhythm with Hingman's son and Harry Kane. Harry Kane is in top, top form, as it's already been said. And when he drops into midfield, I think what Kulisevsky does very well, and Hingman's son's already been doing it, is they, they play in advance of Harry Kane. And so they, yeah. they continue to occupy the center back so Harry Kane can find those pockets. And that puts pockets of space, which puts a lot of pressure on the holding midfielders. And in this, if is it, is it going to be McTominay? If he's by himself, I think, is Pogba going to really track Bruno Fernandes? I mean, how are they going to set up and try to defend either the passing lanes into Harry Kane or defend him when he gets it on the half turn? Because when he gets it and goes, you're in trouble because of the runs that Hingman's son and Kulisevsky are doing. And then when Doherty, who's been playing out of his mind, and you got Reggaeon, who I think will start, even though Sessegnon started uh, against Everton. Yeah, Sessegnon's hurt, I believe. He came up. So I Reggaeon mean. came on and scored. So I think he's in good form. But it seems like they're starting to understand what Conte wants. And now it's starting to play out. Now, whatever you want to say about Everton, uh, that's a big conversation too. I'm sure we'll talk about them a little bit. With regard to United, though, I found this to be interesting. Uh, Diogo Dalot had started. I, I tried to add a little thing there. Dalot. Oh, uh, like yeah. He... he he came out of the lineup and and when he when when Rangnick first took over, Delot started right back. He identified that Juan Basaka wasn't good enough. And Delot came in, he played nine league games under Rangnick. They kept four clean sheets and conceded seven goals in those nine games. In the three games that Juan Basaka has now played, they've already conceded six. So so and Juan Basaka was at fault for both goals against Leeds and and was, I thought, pretty easily beaten in the build-up to a couple city goals and just his positioning, and, and as much as I thought Juan Basaka was going to kick on when he made the move from Crystal Palace to United, he really hasn't. And, and I think Delot's got to come back into the team. Luke Shaw and Varane coming off of illnesses. Are they going to be available for this one? I'm with Heath on this. I think Spurs are going to show up. I think they're going to build off of this performance they had against Everton, and I just think mentally they are in a better spot. I will say, though, you have an X-Factor named Cristiano Ronaldo, 15 goals in 30 games this season. He seems motivated and kind of pissed off he was left out or – Whatever the whatever the smoke is around why he didn't go and and even attend the city game, so so I think he'll start. He trained on Tuesday along with Cavani, and I think he's going to be ready for the Champions League. He needs to get some minutes before that Champions League game against Atletico Madrid. Well, this is a massive game uh, for uh, both teams, as uh, and as James mentioned. The only thing I'll say is that a draw favors nobody uh, in this one, of course. All right, let's uh, move on here. By the way. Uh, I'll do a little roundup here. Leeds United against Norwich. As we mentioned, both these teams are, are playing on Thursday before we tape. So take that with what you will. Uh, and Everton against Wolves as well. And to Jimmy's point, we are going to talk about Everton right now. Toffees, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I was worried about this because, you know, this was a mountain, two mount three mountains to climb for Frank Lampard. So, you know, what could happen there? A team that have, uh, uh, last time they got relegated from the top flight was in the 50s, uh, never from the Premier League. Uh, yes, Arsenal, the other club we know, uh, James Pitcher. <laughs> All right, so, you know, let's talk about these games, I guess, uh, from a quick fire perspective. James Bench, beginning with you, what do you, what do you think? Well, um, Everton, no new manager banks because the manager's not very good. Uh, <laughs> harsh reality the defense <laughs> is not very good 
the midfield. <laughs> harsh reality. Not very good. Harsh and the strikers reality. are great, but you never get them the ball and they're never fit. I Man, think the truth serum that, that gonna... you have right now is great. <laughs> keep going, Benji. Gonna... I mean, keep you're going, on it. Going. Everton are going to start falling really quick. And I think it just takes one of the other teams that are actually organized to have a plan. And even if they don't have players as as high profile as, as Everton's, I think someone is going to jump ahead of them. For Leeds, uh, I loved what Jesse Marsh did in that first game. It will take a little while to deprogram some of the Bielsa-y things you saw for the goal that they conceded, that Stuart Dallas, I think, was just going to man-mark someone. before, And then he just was like, no, I, I don't do this anymore. Um but Jesse Marsh has, has made a great impact. I don't want to railroad this into a, a big chat about Americans, but I, I think he's been really impressive in how he stepped in, um, kind of not, you know, brought quite an ego-free, relaxed and and um, positive atmosphere. And, you know, a good start in that first game. Get Bamford back. Calvin Phillips will be back soon. Liam Cooper as well. I think Leeds will be fine. And I think Norwich is a great team to pick up three points against and, and start some momentum. Yeah, I just want more team huddles. I want to have Jesse Marsh <laughs> trigger the British media as much as humanly possible. Can I can I say on that? The Please. British media haven't been triggered. Like one person on TalkSport is not triggering of the British media. The only people I've seen get triggered are some people in America who are just waiting waiting for like a perceived offense that they can take and we're a little sensitive over here okay ben? listen I bob bradley lasted 84 yeah. days or something okay we're a little bit oh he was a bad, I, I want bad yeah I, I want jesse marsh to just say the word soccer one time and just then i get triggered just if he says it. it one time he says Do he's it. always said football since he started playing i've heard him say soccer before just say oh. it once we'll all be happy and then we yeah we've heard together. him say soccer yeah. so soccer. many times just soccer. say it just, yeah. just say, yeah, he loves the soccer. Why can't he just go I, and say, I, I love hey, the soccer? Benji, next time you get a chance to ask him a question, just say, say I was, I'm just thinking say, I'm going to go yeah. uh, to Wolves say, next week. This is what I want. I want him to come in dressed as Ted Lasso <laughs> and, just, and just say soccer the entire time. But anyway, <laughs> Jimmy, thoughts on this? Uh, as we mentioned, Leeds still have to play uh, the greatest club in the world uh, on Thursday, and then they play Norwich and then Everton against uh, Wolves as well. What Thoughts on those? I think what I'll say very quickly about Leeds and Norwich, they have to win that game. So yeah, not to say that, to that the game away to Leicester wasn't a must win. Obviously, it was there, but it was the first game that he took over. Curious to see now at home against Aston Villa how they perform with the pressure of being at home. I think that does change a few yep. things. The eagerness from the fans of like, OK, let's see this Jesse Marsh guy in action. You know, he's got to do His it in front first of them. home game. Yep, yep. And I think people, given how Aston Villa did play against Southampton, they're probably like, all right, well, let's just see how we perform. Hopefully we get a result, but that Norwich game is different. You have, you have to win that game and you can't have any slip ups in that one. There, there's no mistakes will be allowed against a Norwich team that has been poor this season or a little inconsistent, of course. So, so that one feels a little bit different. And I'm curious to see, obviously the, the result against Aston Villa will dictate some of the narrative around that, but that doesn't change the fact that that's a must win with regard to Everton. That back line is, is a shambles. I mean, that is, it's so bad and, and they're not going to fix anything until they can fix that back line. And, and to Benja's point, if you can't give good service to some very talented strikers in, in good spots, it's going to be hard for them to score. I think they have, what, 26 goals in 25 games or something? It's it's kind of embarrassing, uh, given the, the attacking prowess they have at their disposal. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the curious thing for me is, is Burnley. Obviously, they've lost their last two, but showed a little bit of signs of life, and now they're just a couple of points, so one point away from Everton, two points away from, from Leeds. 
And then you've got Brentford a little bit ahead of that. And so when I look at this one, again, Benji said it, this is a great time to get points off of Norwich. I think it's the stat that I saw was 33. Uh, Norwich have failed to win 33 of their last 37 Premier League matches. And you don't get to have, when, when we talk about, nobody's talking about Jesse Marsh, you don't get to have a learning experience in this game, right? You get to win this game. You go and you win, and you can talk about how the team did better. As Jimmy mentioned, the Leicester one, yeah, there was there was something on the table for them. And they looked far better, as Ben's just mentioned, than than uh, in that game than they than they did all season long. But now you have to go and you have to get three points because you have a Burnley side that da- do have some ability, it seems like, to be able to connect two or three results together, which could keep them in in uh, the run of form. And the only one that's got worse form than Everton right now is Leeds, and so that's got to turn around. Yes, they've got this new manager, uh, but I but I am a little bit worried about that. If you can't beat Norwich, then I'm really really worried. But they should be able to to win this game if Jesse Marsh has a few of those pieces in place to improve where they were before. And then they get some, some production on, on the attacking end. They should win that one. Okay. Our producer, Des Norris has said a very quick final thoughts on, on the rest, uh, emphasis on very. So back to you, Heath, then Jimmy, then bench, uh, any other notes from the remaining fixtures from the weekend? Uh, Arsenal are playing against Leicester. They should win that one. And you mentioned earlier that it's a lo- uh, Nobody wins if, if man United and, um, Spurs draw, but I'll tell you who wins. Arsenal do. Arsenal win <laughs> if they draw. So that's my only final thought on, on the Premier League. Good point, Jimmy. My, my, my final thought on this is that a lot of these teams are playing two games in three days. So the rotation, the, the, the skill and, and the ability of these teams to adapt to, to the, that, that situation and obviously the managers to get it all right uh, could really determine who finishes top four, who gets relegated. So this is a really important two games. Yeah, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, the other game we haven't talked about that's worth keeping half an eye on, Brentford against Burnley, or is it Burnley against Brentford? I can't quite remember which order. Brentford but, against Burnley, yeah. Like we, I think we all secretly think that Burnley are going to do something because they're always in this position and they always survive, but they need to do it soon. Um, Grace Robertson wrote a great newsletter on this. You should uh, subscribe to her newsletter if you don't. Um, just pointing out as well that we all started getting excited about, about Verkost, 700 minutes in the Premier League, one goal. They need to start scoring some goals, Burnley. Yeah, yeah. My fantasy team really suffered there. All right. Uh, and obviously the other thing is uh, Palace hosting Man City and Brighton hosting Liverpool. And of course, this title race is getting tighter and tighter. All right. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, as I mentioned, we go for the rest of Europe. Serie A, of course, uh, who's going to finish on top as Milan, Inter, Napoli all play. None of them uh, playing any European football. So what does that mean? for the Scudetto race. La Liga as well gets very interesting, specifically in those Champions League spots. PSG, what's next for them? Uh, MLS, Liga Mekis, and much, much more. Kigo Lasso, Weekend Preview. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Que Golazo Weekend Preview. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and James Benche. Que Golazo listeners. We want you to compete with us in a bracket challenge. I'll be there. Jimmy will be there. Heath will be there. I'm going to force James Bench to be there as well. And Jonathan Jones. <laughs> you join us at cbsports.com forward slash Golasso Brackets and the winner gets a $100 gift card to Paramount Plus. You'll be able to watch the NCAA tournament games on Paramount Plus, tons of soccer from the Champions League to CONCACAF golf majors in the spring and NFL football in the fall. Also, we're excited for the debut of Halo, which is streaming March 24th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to Paramount Plus dot com forward slash halo to try it for free but back to the brackets who enters just one you need to do way way more to compete against friends and fill out your bracket for the chance to win a trip to the 2023 final four you can play on the cbs sports app or at cbsports.com forward slash golazo brackets there you have it all right serie a don't forget everybody calling calcio every single week every thursday uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, of course. Make sure that you go there for a deeper dive into all things Italian. Kristen Cooper and the talented uh, round of Param- Paramount Plus Serie A talent, of course. All right, let's get going. Uh, Jimmy, who's finishing the weekend on top? Milan, Inter, or Napoli? Inter have Torino, Napoli have Verona, Milan have Empoli. Go. I, I will say that Milan will finish on top of the table. Uh, they're going to beat Empoli at home. Pretty good at home, 8-3-3, three, and three, over 14 games at the San Siro. Obviously, just played uh, Inter Milan there in the first leg of the Coppa Italia semifinals. Coming off uh, a big win against Napoli away from home. I think they're going to, you know, we want to build off that momentum. You don't want to have this big win and then have a let off the following week. So I think Stefano Pioli will have the guys in a good spot mentally. Inter are, are away from home, solid away from home, second best record away from home in Serie A behind Milan. Empoli's pretty good away from home as well, but it's not going to be enough. Torino, though, is going to be a tough one. If Inter end up drawing, Against Torino, I wouldn't be surprised. It's not an easy place to play and go get a result. Juve just drew there 1-1 a couple weeks ago. So that will be uh, interesting. And then with regard to, to Napoli, a way to uh, hell yes, Verona, as I like to call them. They're another <laughs> they're another bogey team for a lot of teams. You got Gio Simeone, who's banging in goals for fun. And, and that's going to be tough. So I think Milan being the one team that's at home, I think has the advantage to, to remain on top. Yeah, I agree with that. I, it's also Empoli haven't won a game since mid-December, and so the, the the odds of winning that one are good. My worry continues to be for AC Milan, though. It's just goal production. I mean, uh, Giroud's goal, which was fantastic uh, for, uh, against Napoli, just made him joint top scorer with Zlatan, who doesn't play for AC Milan at all ever because he's <laughs> injured now on eight goals with also with Rafaleo. And so I just wonder that goal production needed from a few players is going to have to pick up i know it's the italian league and you don't need to score a million goals but that has changed a lot and so has that reputation of the league and so i, I just worry about their their goal produ- production um for the rest of the year but for this weekend I, I see ac milan uh finishing the weekend out on top yeah i'm with the other guys as well 
Heath's right that it's it's a worry when you're trying to win a title and your top scorer is on on seven or so goals. They they share the goals quite well, I think it's fair to say. And Leao is looking better week in week out. But just listening to all you guys as well, one of the things I keep thinking is, look down that table. Juventus aren't that far off at all now, and the way in which the top three have have slowed a little bit, and Juventus unbeaten since they lost at, at Stamford Bridge, that horrible game. You know, you've got to you've got to keep an eye on them. Away to Sampdoria, I think that's that's no easy game either. But like, you know, we're talking about it as a three horse race now. I wonder if we'll be talking about it as a three horse race come next weekend. Yeah. By the way, one the last thing I would say on that is is if if Juventus do slip up, Roma have are also in fantastic yeah. form right now. A lot, a lot of those are draws, but they're not losing any games, and they're continuing to close that gap. That you know, in terms of a top four race for them. So if if Juventus do hit a little bit of a stall or anybody. In the in the sort of the top three or four, uh, hit a little bit of style. Roma are, are certainly making a case for. for I, I love you. I love you for push. saying that, yeah. Heath. But we're talking about a Mourinho team that was always like one step away from hitting that self destruction. I, I think they're in that point where they're like, despite Mourinho, we're going to try to get results because you know he he gets sideline bans all the time and it doesn't really affect their results whatsoever. Actually, they, they play better when he's not yeah. on the sideline. But yeah, that's that's true. Um, let's move on to La Liga because the Champions League spots there are interesting as well. Obviously, we know uh, what Real Madrid have been doing. But after that, I mean, listen, Sevilla, obviously, they have a little bit of a cushion and they have a game in hand as well. But Barcelona, Heath Pierce, pretty impressive. I mean, thank you, Goldman Sachs. Thank you, Xavi, because uh, what? They've, they've just lost, what, two games so far since Xavi joined? And now they're third. They're Did third. Just, Did you just... Thank Goldman Sachs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm applying for payments. Yeah. You're such I'm a New Yorker. You're, you're such a New Yorker. I'm oh, yeah, you, live in, you live in the seaport. You're right next to Wall Street. Of course you're thinking Goldman They give me Sachs a high five every time the, I say that. So. For the redevelopment of your neighborhood. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it, it is it is a fantastic turnaround. And again, I, when I was when I was just reading about Barcelona and sort of the form and I was looking at the the table and I see Memphis Depay is in sort of the top 10 scorers in the league. And I'm sort of, I was like, man, it really is. And it goes back to uh, some of the things we talked about with Chelsea, which is just sometimes it's just a, a few little things that change the whole narrative of a club. And obviously Barcelona had a million things going wrong, but now they're just play on the field is, is, is showing something. And they're now showing it in, in terms of points, right? 48 points. They could potentially catch Sevilla. Obviously, I don't think they're going to catch Real Madrid, who have completely run away. And Atletico Madrid are still in the in the, in the conversation as well. But just the di- just the change in the energy, and maybe it's just the way in which we look at things. It's, I, you know, it could be as simple as the fact that I know James Benz used to wear really baggy jeans, and now he wears his skinny jeans. And you know, when he looked at now when he looks at baggy jeans, he goes, "What was I ever wearing back then?" And sometimes you look at teams just in the way in which like the lens of which we all look at them, which is, oh, they're incrementally better. They're incrementally worse. So they're way better because Javi and they've got a few results. And so I'm, I'm still curious to know, like, is the foundation uh, of this team different? Is it better? Are they far better? Or are they just on a run of form? Or are we just, are we just happier when a Barcelona side is a good side? Ah, those are great points. I, I think what I'm seeing, they scored 14 goals in their last four games in all competitions. And I think that really speaks to, not only them finishing their opportunities, but the amount of opportunities that they're creating. Every time we see them play, even against Elche, Ferran Torres comes on at halftime. The dude could have had a hat trick by himself in the second half. I mean, he's in, in particular finding himself in good spots. But I think that because they've added 
so many more attacking weapons. And these attacking weapons look like they're enjoying themselves. I'm looking at Ushman Dembele, Aubameyang, Traore. They look like they're having fun. And they're playing with smiles on their faces. And when those players in particular play that way, it just elevates not only their own performances, but the, the performances of everybody around them. You got yeah. De Jong, who I think is playing in a more advanced position. Uh, Frankie De Jong, that is, not Luke. And, and I think that's allowing him to enjoy himself. I think Xavi's really pushing the right buttons. He's figuring out the best team that he has. That back line for me is still a little bit vulnerable, but Ter Stegen seems to be making some big saves at the right time. And if they continue to score three, four goals a game, it doesn't really matter. Now, the last time they played against Osasuna, they drew 2-2 and they gave up a late goal. That's what they have to shake, I think, for them to really make a permanent spot in the top four, which I think they will do. But if they can shake that, Chimi Avila scored like the 86th minute the last time these two teams played. Now, they're playing against Galatasaray in the Europa League. Had they had to travel to Istanbul to play and then come home to play Osasuna, maybe I'd say the travel and, and maybe some other things could give Osasuna a chance. So I think aren't going to be easy to beat. But because they've got two consecutive home games here, Europa League and then Osasuna at home, I think Barcelona are going to run away with this and, and, and win this quite comfortably. Yeah, I think, I mean, every word of praise that Jimmy and, and Heath have, have said for Barcelona is, is thoroughly merited. And it's kind of really exciting to see them sort of trying to go back to to the old ways, but also bringing in these like modern twists, like imagine Adama Traore playing in that Barcelona team of, uh, of, of Xavi's playing career. Equally, I think we do have to acknowledge that like this has all been given an almighty helping hand by teams like Betis just falling apart down the stretch. And I think we don't like really need to worry, I think, too much that the Barcelona will be top four because Betis look like it, it's gone for them. I think for them, maybe a big deal was getting to the Copa del Rey final. And if they win that, it's a great season for them, whatever their, their league standing, it has to be said. But like the momentum's gone there. Uh, maybe you say the same thing as well about Real Sociedad. They're a bit in and out. And Barcelona have just just upped it a bit. You know, like Jimmy said, fantastic, fantastic depth in that front line. It's gone from like, well, I mean, I said, it's, do we throw on Luke De Jong? But they still do sometimes because he's just, it's like when you put, when we always used to campaign for Andy Carroll to go in an England squad, you just want the big man that you can <laughs> throw crosses to in the last 10 minutes when you're 2-1 down. Um, but that's great when you've also got like a Dembele or a Ferran Torres or an Adama to come off the bench or Memphis. It's, um, they're so good. Yeah, Jimmy? What, I, what I'll just jump in really quick and say, this is a big two weeks in general for Barcelona in this new look because they've got Galatasaray in the Europa League. They got, they got Osasuna at home, which is what we're previewing for this weekend. They yeah. got Galatasaray away next week, and then they go to Madrid to play El Clasico on March 20th, Sunday, March 20th. So Finally a good and then, and, I feel. And yeah. then after the international break, they host Sevilla. So, so these next five games for them, are going to be really important, not only in terms of where they finish top four, but can they continue on in the Europa League, which I think we expect them to do against Galatasaray. But those games against Madrid and Sevilla on either side of that international break are really going to, not only, they're going to get top four, whether they lose those both of those games. It's more, is this the Barcelona that we're going to see moving forward? Do they have the confidence to hang with Madrid and to beat Sevilla? And I can't wait for the next few weeks for Barcelona. Yeah, Barcelona have won, by the way, their last three games in La Liga, and that's their best run in the competition since winning six consecutive in February of uh, and April of 2021. That was under Ronald Koeman. So, as Jimmy said, a very important uh, time for Barca specifically. All right, very quick. PSG playing Bordeaux. 
uh, James Bench, Pochettino, like, is he going to make it uh, to the end of the season? Like, does it matter? What, what's going I mean, what, what what do we think now? Now, with I mean, PSG, even though they lost to Nice, um, you know, and they could, you know, I don't know, fault again this weekend. You would think that Liga is still theirs, but Pochettino's fate uh, interests me, James Bench. Yeah, I would be inclined. There's no point sort of like flogging a dead horse here. I kind of disagree with the prevailing view around PSG about Mauricio Pochettino. And, you know, as we said on the, the recap last night, if everything keeps failing with different managers, maybe it's not the managers. But like, yeah, if you've made your mind up, like don't keep the guy hanging around. Don't waste everyone's time. Get, you know, get rid of him. Stop playing Vinaldum. I know I didn't play you know, all that often, but, you know, stop playing the players you don't want to build around. Take a look at these academy products that year in, year out, you lose to other teams. Um, start making sure that the next Nkunku, the next Dembele are playing at PSG and they're not going off and then you're trying to buy them back. And yeah, you know, <laughs> PSG don't have a, a match of significance to play until September. No, unless they probably, maybe they've got Coupe de France. Maybe they care about that, but that's the reality. This is a club built for the Champions League. So you may as well start thinking about how you want to attack next year's rather than, you know, giving Messi some more minutes that he doesn't he doesn't want to play and you don't want him to play. I, I think they're in a crucial period, similar to Manchester United, that you've got a bunch of these stars and the decisions you make in the next couple of months, whether that's keep finding a way to keep Mbappe or or him going, what happens with Messi? What's the status with with uh Neymar, who, you know, I don't know what Neymar we're going to get constantly. He's out for half the seasons. He's obviously a huge global star. And when he's in his game, he's one of the best there ever was to play the game. But you're at this sort of crossroads now that you can actually make this change and say, hey, okay, we're going to we're going to continue to be a huge club, as James Benjamin, and we're going to continue to be a Champions League club. We're going to challenge for it with a few stars and then also fill in the rest of those those pieces. Whereas I think they went to this extreme because you had all these players available for free. And I think the experiment needs to to stop. You know, you haven't gotten anything out of Sergio Ramos. You've been in and out with, you know, Messi. You haven't gotten the production that you want from Messi. You haven't gotten the production you want from Neymar this year. Mbappe's been phenomenal. Uh, and he's your, you, you wouldn't think that he would be the only player that you're talking about in a positive light. That the decisions they make now, whether that's Pochettino or otherwise, uh, is going to shape the next couple of seasons. And if they do status quo with this and just try to keep the team together because they go, oh, we kind of got screwed out of that. And it should have been a foul against uh, Benzema and it would have changed everything. And, Make all the excuses you need to go. Let's give it one last run. You know, it's our senior year of high school. We're going to win the state championship type of thing. Like, you you got to make some changes. And it, it, that could involve more than one of their big stars and, and more than one of their big name players that they currently have rostered. I, I will say that it would be incredibly refreshing for PSG to hit the reset button and just ditch all the, the old guys. No matter what their names are, no matter how much success they've had in the past. It didn't work to his point. I love the analogy about senior year. That's how it felt this year. Hey, we're all the gangs back together. Look how good we are on paper. You know, we're going to win everything. And it just felt like in some ways they were disinterested that they weren't really together as a group for whatever reason, whether it's the Mbappe stuff that's been following him this whole season, whether it was the messy stuff, him coming in, him coming to a new league and, and not really seeing, seeing him take over like we used to and and that Dembele or excuse me uh well Dembele I guess will maybe come in the future Mbappe is <laughs> blamed for everything oh yeah of course but Mbappe Mbappe really being the guy that was the big difference maker 
consistently, which I thought was a, I think a surprise to everybody. We thought Messi yeah. would step up every once in a while. Neymar, I don't know. It's it's interesting, and I think this team to bring on those young players to find that nice mix of of young and old. I think this was something they need to get to, and I think it's a it's a in some ways they have to face up, look at themselves in the mirror, and say this experiment of us being kind of Real Madrid Galacticos model isn't working. And and I'm curious to see how they approach the rest of the season because yeah. to everybody's it's it's interesting times for PSG. I'm surprised you know, Gerger didn't say uh, they that they're going to poach Thomas Tuchel. Well, <laughs> they might. You never know. I go back to what Jonathan Johnson said about their fans and how they were worried about losing their identity. I think uh, pressing the reset button is for Qatar Sports Investment to leave. To be honest with you, I think you got to completely 180 this because it's just to your point, it's just not working. This five-year plan is not working. There is a problem with the culture at PSG, mm-hmm. and that needs to really be completely revamped. All right, let's finish up here, and let's go to North America. Uh, MLS first, some some exciting games in Major League. Jesse Marsh, ready? Soccer uh, to, to look ahead to. So Jimmy and Heath will serve as uh, our, uh, you know, uh, our leaders to let us know what's going on. And James Bench, I want you to act as the as the as the fan and and, and ask questions. Because guess what, Austin FC are on fire, baby, and they're facing Portland Timbers, and we got a really tasty one as well. As Seattle Sounders host uh, the Galaxy, Heath, let's go with you first, baby. What what do what do you have here, man? This is uh, interesting just because we're so early in the, in the season. You start to continue to see things come to life. Obviously, I love when, when Seattle play LA Galaxy. Uh, that's one that I'm really excited about in, in, in this one. And then, again, Austin, really on this turnaround from last year, I believe, uh, and Jimmy, maybe, maybe you know, the, I think the lowest scoring team in the league, uh, at, least at, at least at home, uh, are on this, this incredible tear right now. And then Portland is another team that you mentioned, uh, Luis, that kind of don't, in terms of supporter culture and those things get the attention, but never get the respect that that they deserve in terms of their performances, in terms of the team that they put together there, um, and in terms of just the general record. And so that's that's another team that I'm excited to, to see. And then ultimately, just sort of see the turnaround. Obviously, we saw we saw Sebastian Lejet get another another goal in Concacaf Champions League against Pumas. His form has been incredible. Uh, Seb- uh, Christian Roldan's form has been incredible as well. All the things that are going to make the U.S. men's national team player uh, uh, haters very, very upset that our our domestic best players are are leading their teams at the moment. But yeah, overall, what I'm what I'm most curious to see is just some of the teams like Cincinnati. I'm looking at Houston. I'm looking at um, uh, who else do I have on this list right now? I mean, or they're playing against Orlando, Cincinnati. I'm looking at San Jose teams that I that 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 need to show a little bit of life early on in the season that are uh, have been struggling since the end of last year and coming into this year. I'm not convinced with what I'll say very quickly on, on the back of that is that I want to see all these teams continue to play. Like Every game right now is super meaningful in MLS because I think a lot of teams are still working out their identity. We can use Seattle Sounders for LA Galaxy, probably the most marquee matchup. In the league, Sounders have scored eight goals in their three CONCACAF Champions League games, including a big uh, first leg 3-0 win over Leon uh, from Liga MA Keys. But but they haven't scored yet in MLS. Two games, no goals. A- and they lost to Nashville at home, and they lost to Real Salt Lake. That obviously has to change. Maybe their focus is on the Champions League instead, and, and we haven't had an MLS team win it since 2000 when LA Galaxy did it way back when. So I'm curious to see how that game plays out. With regard to Austin FC, they played a bad Cincinnati team and won 5-0. 
And then they played an Inter-Miami team that I still think is trying to figure their thing out. So 10 goals there. I talked to Josh Wolf, the head coach, my former roommate with uh, the national team in Kansas City back in the day. And he's like, we're going to really find out what we're made of against Portland because they have to travel to Portland, a tough place to play. And Portland are tough. They got MLS Cup finalists for a reason last mm. season. So there's a whole bunch of games that I'm I'm excited about. And, and just to see how some certain teams are going to respond. Colorado versus Kansas City, two teams that were on the top of the table at Western Conference last season, another fun one to watch. So if you can find some time to watch an MLS game, there's not going to be a bad one this weekend. One of the things that kind of interests me is it Thursday, we've got Greg Berhalter naming his squad for U.S. men's national team at such important games. Has anyone in this short space of time or maybe this weekend, is there anyone that is like playing for their place in the squad who might be able to be that early season bolter we often see in Europe? I mean, for me, I, I'd say Sebastian Lejet. He was such a crucial part of two years under under Greg Berhalter, who put a ton of trust in him. Had you know played some of the most matches, scored some big goals, and mostly friendly games under Greg Berhalter. But it's sort of been on the outs, and one that I was like, I don't even know if he gets called in in the future. But with the loss of Weston McKinney, you now have a, a a need for a player that can play that two way midfielder, that late runner into the box. And and Sebastian Lejet's form has been fantastic, both starting in the league and now now since his trade. From, from LA Galaxy to New England Revolution. Bruce Arena, who he came up under uh, at the LA Galaxy, has really gotten the most out of him as a player. And I just wonder if there was the sort of a turning a corner of not just our perceived form, but his actual form and confidence that could be uh, important to the national team in this upcoming window. Yeah, I'll just jump in and say Jesus Ferreira from FC Dallas. Uh, he's been looked at as a number nine for us, and, and we need players that can really kind of own that spot. A lot of them haven't been scoring goals. He hasn't scored yet in two games for FC Dallas, so I'm curious to see how he does against Nashville. He'll be playing right up against a national team teammate in Walker Zimmerman. So if he can have some success, that would be, uh, I think, go a long way towards not only him being included, but maybe even potentially starting in one of the big three matchups we have coming up. Yeah, the midfield will obviously be the focus given Weston McKenney's injury. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. All right, let's wrap up here with Liga MX. A look at this table, by the way, uh, for Clausura. Club America is bottom bottom of the table, which is kind of unbelievable. And they're going to be facing Chivas in, in, in this game, by the way, uh, which is, uh, I don't know, Club America bottom, unbelievable. Uh, but that's a big matchup here. And obviously the other part of the news, the biggest part of the news is uh, Querétaro uh, will play home matches with no fans for one year. Uh, they're also going to ban their Barra supporters groups as well for three years as part of the punishment following, of course, the horrific violent scenes from last weekend that left uh, 26 people injured and you know the the news continues to happen it's just been horrible i'm actually really surprised that uh they're even playing a game in the first place to be perfectly honest with you but uh any thoughts on that heath uh, obviously Querétaro, uh who continue you know to deal with uh with these horrible 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 news from mexico yeah the news is is horrible and obviously there's you know not that any benefit ever comes out of, of, of fan violence, but, you know, increased um, sort of eyeballs and, and, and resources towards improved security in the stadiums within the league. There's a lot of things that needed to be changed and modernized within, within the league there. Uh, with regard to, to uh, Chivas and, and Club America, 
since the rules changed around relegation uh, a couple of years ago, it, there's there's a far less risk. I believe it was Chivas a few years ago that were sort of flirting with sort of, I, I think it's like a three or a five-year, I think it's a three-year season window where if you're at the bottom, you can go down to the second league is the way the rules were then. Chivas were actually flirting with that for quite a while and it was going to be a massive disaster. The rules uh, have sort of changed and shifted to where it makes it much more difficult for anybody to go down. That's a significant part of the financial infrastructure uh, of the league, but um, with regard to the Caratoro news, it's 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 horrible and horrific, and something that I hope hope never happens again. There, and that the, the the safety protocols are put in place to protect fans, to protect the Barra, per, to protect anybody from all sides, and anybody that's just going to enjoy a football match, soccer yeah. match. Yeah, <laughs> soccer, baby. Let's talk about the football soccer in, in this situation. Yeah. So, so yeah, the sanctions are are. It, it was really important for for the people that run the Mexican league to set a precedent here and and i think the sanctions could be considered harsh maybe not from a fan perspective they're they're, they're banning the barra bravas for for three years from Querétaro, but for them to say you got to sell the team like the 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 ownership is being back to the previous owners grupo caliente who also owned tijuana and and that is interesting as well that they're having that type of influence that you guys didn't do a good job and this is what's going to happen so i'm i'm very similar to the Chelsea thing. Very interested to see the fallout of these types of, of decisions. And they have, by the way, till the end of the year, they're helping to facilitate the sale of that through the right. end of this year. Yeah, uh, they're right. also, they've also been fined uh, 1.5 million pesos, which is around $70,000 as well. So, yeah, Jimmy, keep going, buddy. No, and then with regard to the biggest matchup, and you have two of the most successful teams in Mexico, uh, Club America taking on Chivas Guadalajara at, at Estadio Azteca. That is going to be a sick game because Club America – suck this they're terrible you know they are bad and they already fired their manager santiago solari real madrid player uh he he's been sacked and and they brought in uh his name is fernando ortiz who was coaching the u20s at club america and, and now he's getting his chance i think he's going to play younger players he's been around the younger players he's seen the talent and that might inject them with a little bit of that new manager balance as he tries to balance the squad against a game they need to win not only this is not even where they are in the standings, just they have to beat Chivas. This is like a must win, and the fans demand it. So I think the Club America will be up for this one. But again, if you're going to make some time for a game in North America, you got to pick one MLS one and then watch this one, Club America versus Chivas. Yeah, I just can't believe Club America are bottom. That's incredible. Uh, but yeah, there you have it. That's a, a big game. And Chivas Guadalajara are ninth, by the way, in this uh, clausura situation all right well that's it that's it from all of us and guess what we were aiming for under an hour and we're just about to do it if we do final thoughts super quick jimmy conrad first to you i've got nothing let's make this super quick <laughs> Eve pierce uh des said keep it under an hour so i've got nothing either we talked a lot <laughs> and james benj oh i'd just like to talk for a little no no <laughs> <laughs> thank you everybody kego lasso pod on twitter youtube.com forward slash kego lasso jimmy conrad james bench heath pierce lme we will see you next time have a great great rest of your week and your weekend